Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast, a lovely chilly Thursday morning here in Clemson, October 20th, putting the finishing touches on the weekly video review segment we do at TigerIllustrated.com. I'm looking back at some of the finer points of last week's win at Florida State with respect to how things might unfold Saturday at noon against Syracuse. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Football season is grilling season and Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles, too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone Griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com. I'm Josh Burrell, receiver and running back for the Florida State Seminoles. When I'm back home in the Midlands, I enjoy grilling and relaxing with my family, and we get everything we need from Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio. Thanks, Josh. I'm Jack Oliver, and we proudly offer the Big Green Egg, Weber, and Traeger Grills, Blackstone Griddles, and beautiful patio furniture, too. We're located at 3303 Forest Drive in Columbia and online at jackoliverpools.com. And we deliver. They're good people. Go see them today. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Okay, to our conversation with Bill DeAndre. He has been on the podcast before several times. Always fun and entertaining and enlightening. Just an FYI, this conversation took place on October 14th, which was a day after the 14-year anniversary of Debo Sweeney taking over as head coach in 2008. Okay, here we go. Enjoy. Okay, I, man, I'm honored to have uh, Billy DeAndre making a visit to the man cave uh, here <laughs> in the 
in, in, at, at the house. Uh, how you doing, man? Great I'm to have you. I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me. Uh, seems like you got your drums and uh, <laughs> all your equipment here ready to roll. So Office on, on one side, play uh, on the other. It's, it's divided, uh, I think, 50-50. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's my story right now, at least. So, um, so I've, had, we, I've had you on here before. It seems like every time we talk on the phone... 25 minutes later i'm like man this 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 should be a podcast interview because every time i talk to you i learn something new i learned i guess a few months ago that you're a beekeeper i am as a matter of fact i have a jar of honey in the car for you (laughs) okay that's great (laughs) so all right i mean you're like i don't know if renaissance man is the word clemson renaissance man i mean I, i you're just you're do you do so many different things i think it's admirable um, because so many people, when they get to sort of retirement age, that you just hear so many accounts of, oh, what am I going to do? I have no purpose. And you're you're a beekeeper. You're a judge. You ride a Harley. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you do a lot of philanthropic uh, activities. Um, and you still remain very connected to, to the athletic department uh, folks, especially the folks who have also moved on. Am I, am I missing anything? No. Um, you know, Larry, I, I, I appreciate um, what you're saying. I, I've always felt that um, it was important to give back. I feel like I've been blessed. Um, there's people that have helped me uh, certainly get to the positions that I've had. And um, I feel like it's an, an opportunity. You know, there, there's an old saying, um, the, um, the, the, the uh, mission in life is to find your gift, but the purpose is to really give it back. And um, I just kind of always believe that. I think um, my role in Vickery Hall uh, of seeing kids who maybe came unprepared uh, for college and and to see them grow and be nurtured into independent learners uh, was something that kind of got imbued in me to to see how gratifying that was to make a difference. But uh, you know, I, I am on quite a few boards. Uh, I like staying busy. I think it probably comes from being in athletics, where it's kind of a seven-day-a-week job. You're always doing something. So uh, um, so I enjoy it. Plus, I stay out of my wife's hair. <laughs> Spe- speaking of your wife, she's very active. Uh, former superintendent uh, in Anderson, uh, for the Anderson School District. And Pickens. And, and Pickens. Um, and you were telling me, actually, before we started this interview, that uh, last night y'all were at a function um that 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 was sort of designed to address some of the issues with 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 high schools and and, and things like that. Is that well? Um, last night we um, I'm I'm on the board of the Greater Community Foundation of Clemson, and we have kind of earmarked <clears throat> literacy as one of our initiatives to uh, try to make a difference by you know raising funds and contributing to. Camp IROC and, and various uh, areas up. As I mentioned to you, my wife uh, works part-time for Clemson University. Um, she works for the interim dean now, Jeff Marshall, and she does a lot of research on various things. One of the um, 
issues that they're trying to address, uh, not only at Clemson, but um, throughout the state, is that uh, there's some studies that have reflected that only 38% of the third graders in this state are reading on grade level. Mm. And um, uh, that's, that's pretty serious stuff because... Uh, this is a quote from her. By third grade, you know, you need to learn to read because after third grade, you're reading to learn. And, uh, you know, when you miss that key uh, timeline, uh, it affects a lot of things going forward. I wonder how much insight is there on um, how much influence the last three years I've been on that with COVID and all that. I mean, a lot of, there were a lot of horrific numbers at the time on, oh, there's 10,000 kids who we don't even know where they are uh, in the public school system during the, 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 the lockdown and such. Do you, yeah, what's that, the, that, that actually, that 38% was prior to COVID. Oh, before. And I, I can imagine that with um, some of the, um, Internet services that are not in areas of maybe the um, I-95 corridor, Um, you know, people that don't have computers at home or have access to Internet and whatnot. I'm sure that, you know, that once they do that study again, it's probably going to be a little bit worse. So, yeah. Um, What? So what do you think? Do you think you and your wife share that sort of... uh spirit of just the desire to help the community because i think a, a lot of folks would be like hey i'm just gonna we're gonna go tour the world and find some extracurricular pursuit in our later years and i'm just curious of what what yeah, the I, I i mean i think her being in education and <clears throat> you know coming from italian parents uh, who I think my dad went to 10th grade, my mother went to 8th grade. Um, I see education as a generational change. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I just, I, I saw it in uh, being a coach, uh, giving student-athletes an opportunity to get a degree. I saw it in Vickery. I saw it in Ipte, where people were contributing to scholarships and making a difference. So um, it's been somewhat both of us um, kind of a lifelong tentacle for us to, to make a difference. So, Any idea if there are any other former offensive line coaches who, who have done all the different things that, you're, that you've done? I'm sure they've done more. <laughs> Tell me about the Judds thing. I mean, I guess the last time – the last time you were on this podcast was maybe like a, a year ago. What what what's that like? And and what is your what are the routines like? For you? Well, it's very interesting. Primarily, uh, I'm responsible for ninety percent of it is for bonding people uh, out of jail when I'm on duty. Now, when you get arrested, you have twenty four hours to be to see a a bond person. I mean, that's by the Constitution. You have to be seen no matter what crime you've committed. And, you know, you either get placed on a surety bond, which keeps you in jail until a bonds person uh, pays a percentage of that, which guarantees you to come to court, or 
<clears throat> if it's a lesser crime, maybe shoplifting or um, public drunkenness or something, you can put them on a personal recognizance bond, uh, pretty much aligned with the fine. However, you're basically giving them an opportunity to say, you know, we're going to release you, but you know, you're kind of guaranteeing us you're going to show up. We have your word that you're going to show up in court. I mean, it's been interesting, you know, um, just dealing with people, um, given an opportunity to to maybe give them some life lessons. You know, I, I can't necessarily give them um, any legal advice, uh, and I'm not an attorney. I did have to attend uh, school for about six weeks uh, and take a test to become a municipal judge. But, um, uh, you know, uh, I see a lot of frequent flyers. I, you know, I see people that, um, you know, seem to take some advice and, and, change change the way they're they're doing things and uh but um you know it's part of society you know it's part of society all right gotta learn more about the beekeeping what 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 are the origins of that well um actually um marcy radikovich um dan radikovich's wife actually was a beekeeper and she I had had a conversation with her, and she gave me quite a few um, hives and stuff that 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 I could use if I wanted to start beekeeping. And I have a mentor. Um, it's uh, Bert Bert Campbell, who owns ACI Financials in Pendleton, and he got me started. And I mean, it is so much to learn about them. Uh, and they're such a unique, amazing creatures, um, and um, and it, it's uh, it's not fun when you take that honey off because you you better bundle up with your suit yeah. on and all that because uh, they're but but it, it's just interesting, you know. Uh, this year I got about uh, almost seven gallons of honey off of two hives, which wow. was which was good. So you know. And there was one time I spoke with you a few months ago where they were all dying. Yeah, I the, this is my third year going on my fourth year. My first year I got about seven gallons. The second year I I didn't get anything. They I we I'm not exactly sure if uh, they absconded or what, but there were quite a few dead bees in my hives at the bottom, so I had to go this uh, summer. And you buy a package of bees with a queen in a little kind of a matchbox. And you put that queen in the hive and then you dump the rest of the bees in there. And, you know, they you've heard of the saying the queen bee. She's the queen bee. Well, the queen can actually produce male or female bees. Mm. That's why that saying is she's the queen bee depending on what the hive needs so and um you know from 100 bees i must have 10,000 now in each hive i mean it's it's amazing how they reproduce and you know and um and you, you know you have to check on them from time to time and sometimes in the winter you have to feed them sugar water 
and uh, just you know just keep them keep some food going and all that is this in your backyard it's it is okay now i have i have about four acres so it's kind of near my barn and all that so so at the you're you obviously know marcy and dan can you take me back to at what point does your conversation turn to yeah i'm a beekeeper you ought to try it um I, i you know i actually think that um dan was out of town and I ran into Marcy at um, Big Lots or somewhere, and my I had a truck, and she was trying to get two chairs <laughs> in her in her SUV, and she came into the store and said, did, "Did I have an empty bed in the back of my truck?" And I said, "Yeah." So I followed her to <laughs> to their house, and that's kind of how we got talking and all that. So she said, "If you want some stuff, I'll give it to you." So. And so what you, you said, the, the, they're fascinating creatures and all the, give us, give us some, the, the layman, somebody who doesn't know anything about this, uh, some insight into that. I mean, the, the way they produce, um, the way they get nectar, the way they, um, uh, you know, protect the hive, um, it's, it, it, they're just, they're just interesting creatures from, from, you know, talk about a worker bee they are worker bees i mean that that's all they're doing is protecting that queen producing honey for that queen and uh you know that it's 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 just amazing you know talk about loyalty they're, yeah. they're loyal um and i knew you i knew you had a motorcycle a harley but i didn't know uh until a conversation we had a couple of days ago uh that uh, after after Jack uh, Leggett got fired, you and he drove up into the into the hills together. He he on his and, and you on yours. I, I'm just I'm fascinated to get a window into that uh, anecdote. Well, you know I've had motorcycles all through college and even had one in high school, so um, it's not something new. And um, uh, you know I I I don't like to ride with a lot of people you know, like six or seven bikes. And, uh, and I don't go fast and I always wear my helmet. I'm, I'm very cautious. My wife and I like to take, you know, Sunday afternoon sometime and ride up into the mountains or ride up on highway 11 and and stuff on nice days, you know, in the summertime, sometimes it's too hot because you get the heat off the road or heat off the bike and the sun. But, um, this fall weather, is perfect but yeah jack and i've ridden a couple times and um you know we've enjoyed some conversations you know about (laughs) clemson and (laughs) it's been pretty interesting he's back (laughs) yeah i know and he's uh, back yeah really interesting It, it is and i think he's excited about it so you know it was really uh interesting um seeing how all that unfolded because he was he was bitter um at how things ended and i think i want to say i interviewed him it was late last baseball season and he was upset at the fact that more was not done to recognize the accomplishments uh of him and uh, and 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 his program over that long stretch and and i at the time my reasoning which i shared with him was hey you know 
that's probably not going to happen when the guy who fired you is still in that chair. But once the new guy, once he's gone and the new guy's in place, it's probably going to happen more quickly. And that's what happened. And, and it seems like Graham did a really good job of rebuilding that br- bridge, so to speak, and, and reaching back out to him. And I'm not going to say it it facilitated the hire uh, that they that they made, um, but it probably didn't hurt. I would I would think uh, in terms of getting back in Jack's yeah. good graces and all that. Well, well, I agree with you. I mean, if you look at Jack's career, I'm, I don't I don't know. He probably won over a thousand games um, in his baseball career, several hundred of them here at Clemson. Um, he's a uh, college baseball Hall of Famer, and you know. Uh, looking back, I don't exactly know what transpired. It just seemed like there may have been uh, an easier exit solution or more sensitivity to that solution. And um, But I do uh, commend Graham for reaching out to Jack and bringing him back into the fold. And, um, because, um, I mean... You know, firing coaches is is certainly not easy for any athletic director. And um, but I think whenever you fire someone, there's always something positive that they contributed. Maybe they didn't have enough wins or losses, but uh, you know they they did a good job. They graduated their kids. Uh, the kids weren't in trouble. Good students. Um, it's it's a complex situation and sometimes very difficult. Um, but most of the time, the bottom line is your performance. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think maybe, you know, that, that might have been able to be uh, a smoother transition uh, and, um, and help Jack uh, move on with, with more of a positive attitude toward Clemson. Can we talk about your relationship with Dan Radikovich? Because on the surface, you know, just from afar, one might view it as, okay, Billy D wanted the job. He didn't get it. It went to Dan. Billy D then worked under Dan for a year, a year and it, well, it didn't go great. Then Billy D leaves, so therefore... They must not like each other, but that's not. I mean, I, it, no. it. I mean, it sounds like he even consulted with you on a, on a number of things, and you had a good relationship we, thereafter. We did. I, I mean, I, um, you know, I, I worked for um, several athletic directors. You know, Bobby Robinson, Terry Don, um, Dan probably had a different management style. You know, he was more. Um, more of a CEO type, but Dan treated me fine. Um, he embraced me. Uh, I think he looked to me uh, to give him some history on various things. Uh, and um, um, no, I you know I, I didn't I didn't have a, a contentious relationship with him. It just um, he, he may not have been as warm and fuzzy as a leader, as previous athletic directors. I know that when he made the decision to cut the track 
program uh, some very influential people at Clemson uh, were taken aback by it and like what did he just do um, what was your I mean I think universally I think even probably Dan would look back and say yeah that was probably too hasty I'm, sh- I'm wondering what your reaction was in the moment um, and sort of all the dynamics that go into that um, I'm just trying to sort of yeah, it, it sort of assess all the all sides of it. Uh, well, just looking back, it's interesting because I had um, I had just uh, left Anderson as the athletic director, and Dan called me. He called Terry Don, and he called Bobby Robinson. Is what he told me. And I, you know, talking to all three of them, he did. But he he wanted to give me a heads up that. This is what he was going to do, and that we would hear about it, you know. And I and I appreciate that. I was a little bit surprised, you know, because um, if if you look at the sports configuration, uh, track really consists of six sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got men and women's cross country, indoor and outdoor, and um, that's a pretty significant cut. And uh, and I, I know he, I, I believe there was somewhere around uh, a million two in um, expenses, and then scholarship money. And so it was around maybe two point five million that he would have saved and all that. But um, I, I don't. I'm you know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, why I, I do know the outdoor track has some facility issues on one of the corners that keeps caving in, and I don't, I don't know what they could do to fix it. I'm sure we have engineers on campus, to, and, and how much that would cost, I don't know. But um, it seemed to be a surprise to me and a surprise to many. And, and I think um, you know, the student-athletes and rallied around you know, supporting that, and of course, you know they they got it reestablished. Did he uh, when he went to Miami? Did you have any any interaction with him during that during that time when he? Um, I you know I I congratulated him. Actually, when um, <clears throat> um, when the NCAA basketball tournament was held in Greenville, and Miami played in that tournament. Um, my wife and I went to that, um, and um, Duke, um, Auburn, and Miami. I can't remember who the other one, but uh, I saw Dan and and talked to him for about ten or fifteen minutes. And he had some big uh, donors with him, and you know he introduced me to him and stuff. But you know he he seemed to be uh, doing well. Well, he actually I asked I asked him about building a stadium on campus and he said they're looking into that mm-hmm. uh, because I think they play about six or eight miles away from campus which is hard to get the students there and uh, I mean I, if, if you look back at what Dan has done uh, facility wise I mean he built a new soccer facility um, you know the tennis facility built the Reeves Center I mean, he did a significant job in uh, improving the athletic facilities here. Did, redid the suites. 
Um, and you know, uh, so uh, I mean, his uh, his leadership in that area was fantastic. I, I know that one of the fears when he got here, in light of the way the thing he left things at Georgia Tech, one of the fears that I heard. A good bit was up. He's going to rack up a lot of debt and be gone in three or four years. Obviously, he wasn't gone in three or four years. He was truly invested in, in this place. He and his wife loved yeah. it. It was merely a great opportunity that came about, I guess, nine years into his tenure here. I'm curious, though, all the necessary facilities upgrades. Do you hear, like among, in your conversations with a lot of these, you know, um, Clemson people, is is it a concern? Is the debt a concern uh, there that that's been rung up, or, or or did he do a really good job of balancing the um, donations yeah. com- with the debt? Well, I, I, to be candid, I mean, I, I think you hear that you know Clemson is spending a lot of money investing in their facilities, but you know I I go to Graham and. Um, you know, I think Graham was really in charge of finances. Mm-hmm. I, you know, part of being an athletic director is financial stewardship, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I think they the board wouldn't have allowed that to get out of control mm-hmm. as long as we could pay the annual debt. Um, and I think there was a compelling need for those to be built. Mm-hmm. You know, so so the reason, one of the reasons that. Uh having you on here is yesterday was October uh, 13th, uh, the 14th, 14 year anniversary of, of a day that nobody around here will ever uh, forget um, that when Tommy was out and, and Dabo was in, um, Dabo has been fairly successful. <laughs> fairly. Um, I'm, I'm, I would love to, I know we've talked about this before, but it seems like, Every time I talk to you about those events, I learn something, even something I haven't had that I hadn't learned before in terms of details. And so you were telling me about the walk uh, when Terry Don sent you to get Dabo when 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 well, when y'all were informing. Uh, well, well, my office was next to Terry Don's, mm-hmm. and Tommy Bowden went into his office and closed the door, and came out maybe 10 minutes later and Terry Don walked right into my office and he said um, come into my office I want to tell you he said Tommy had just made the comment that it might be time for him to step down and Terry Don said well you know if that's your decision you know I recommend you go talk to Linda your wife and you know come back and see me whatever so in maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes, Tommy came back and him and Terry Don decided that, uh, you know, he was going to step down. Terry Don agreed with him that, you know, he would fulfill his contract obligations and whatnot. So after he left, he told me to go down to the, which was the offices were in the McFadden building. Mm-hmm. He said, go get. Uh, Dabo Sweeney. So I went down, knocked on the door. They were in a offensive staff meeting, and 
you know, I said to Dabo, I said, Terry Don wants to see you right now. And, you know, Dabo said, well, what? He said, we're in a meeting. And I said, well, I know that. <laughs> I said, but he wants to see you right now. So, of course, you know, Dabo was like, what did I do wrong? What's going on? What's up? And um, I said, well, just, you know, come with me. And Can I interrupt you? Sure. When you went down to fetch him, did you have any idea that Terry Don, what Terry Don was? Pretty much, okay. yeah. I mean, I had I had an idea that that's what he was going to do. Is because we had talked about do you do you put um, Brad Scott as the interim person or uh, who was the Coning? Uh, Coning. Yeah, both of them know, had been head of, coaches. Both of them had been head coaches, and uh, you know, so I knew that that's probably was. Well, and and these conversations between you and Terry Don were all that morning, not before. No. Or, that that morning, okay. I, it, After it, Tommy, left. yeah. If you don't, if you don't mind, I'd like to shift into reverse a little more. The the discussions between Tommy and Terry Don were you in the room? Not dur- initially. Okay. Not, not when he first went in. Okay, but so when he came back. So that morning, I guess it was a Monday morning. I believe it, it was after Wake Forest. Yeah, the weight game was on a Thursday. Right. Um, and I, th- I believe they had practiced that Sunday night. Uh, anyway, so it was just a routine meeting at 9 a.m. between Terry Don and, and, and Tommy? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know yeah, if yeah. he sent for Tommy. I don't know if Tommy just came down there, <clears throat> but he they went in there for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then he left, then he called me in. And then what can you? What are your recollections of after you get called in of, of the back uh, sort of? Just that, um, you know, Tommy said, I think I made a decision. I think it's time for me to step down. Um, you know, he. I think he felt that he wasn't being effective and uh, couldn't get over the hump. And uh, and you know, of course, Terry Don said, "Now, you know, are you sure this is what you want to do?" And he said, "Yes." So, and um, Terry Don said, "You know, we'll, you know, we're going to honor everything that you had. We appreciate it and all that." And they just kind of separated, you know. So. I remember in the aftermath of that, there was considerable that he got fired. Debate of, uh, come on, if you're paying him, if he's getting paid that buyout, he got fired, and there that, was a. Go ahead. That's not true. Yeah, that's not true. There's another line of thinking that Terry Don had Dabo in the back of his mind, and so he maybe encouraged Tommy. Help push him out the door so he can go ahead and get his guy. I mean, I remember that yeah, being a. I, I think, you know, I mean, it, it, it's not the first time we talked about Dabo. I'm not going to say we didn't. We didn't talk about Dabo being the head coach, right, at Clemson, right. But when you would go by Dabo's office, which you parked in the parking lot, and you'd walk through football. There were always kids in there. They may not have been receivers at that time. It might have been a lineman or a defensive person. I mean, he, you know, kids gravitated to him, to his energy and his positiveness. Uh, and um, so, and and then, you know, he was. Um, we would travel with families, 
you know, he had a beautiful family, a beautiful wife, three, you know, young, sharp kids. And, um, I mean, he just had some things going for him. We, we had talked about, you know, as we may have talked about other coaches as well, too. But I, I think, you know, Dabo kind of stood out. And, you know, when you watched him on the field, he was demanding, uh, but yet, um, you know, he was always hugging up his players. He might chew them out, but, you know, he was telling them why they were doing it. So, so those things are always looked at by any athletic mm-hmm. director throughout. So, um, so when Terry Don sent me down there to get him, you know, Dabba was like, you know, I, I'm in the, meet, in the middle of a meeting. How long is this going to last? Yeah, 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 that's exactly <laughs> what he said, you know. What did I do wrong, you know? And I said, well, I don't think he did anything wrong, but I said, I think he wants to see you. And then uh was real simple. Um, he sat across from Terry Don, and um, I was sitting on the, on the couch, and um, Terry Don told him, he said, um, I just had a conversation with Tommy. Tommy has decided to step down, and he said, I'm making you the interim head coach. And Dabo said, who, me? <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, you. And, uh, and, and Terry Don told him, he said, you have my full support. And uh, he looked over, Dabo looked over at me, and he said, well, if I'm the head coach, I'm going to fire Rob Spence. <laughs> and, uh, and Terry Don said, you do what you need to do. He said, you can fire all of them if you want to. He said, you're the head coach. And, um, you know, and he, Terry Don told them they'd, they'd work out the financial situation and whatnot. And uh, he told them if, um, you know, he would give them a chance to have the job but he's going to have to do his part and win some of these games remaining. So, and that was it. Why do you think, um, what as far as the Spence thing goes? I mean, the fact that he was so quick. I mean, there were other coaches on the staff who I don't think Dabo got along with great, and he kept them. Um, the fact that the first thing that comes to his mind is I've got to fire this guy. Did you have any insight into? into into that well one of the things that I used to talk to Davo about sometimes is I'd say every time there was a blitz by the other team it seemed like that Spence went to the bubble screen the next play <laughs> and I used to tease Davo about that of course you know that's probably something you don't want to tease a coach about but um I, I don't I'm not sure I wasn't ever in offensive meetings and you know as an administrator but um I'm I'm going to guess that uh Rob might have been strong-willed and um um you know maybe Dabo saw uh some ability uh in some of the players that we could do things differently you know there's always uh sometimes disagreement among coaches on the same offense or defensive side. So, um, so I'm not sure Rob was, you know, I think he knew his stuff. I'm not sure he was, you know, it's, it's one thing to be a coach. It's the, the key that makes it different is to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm sure he was knowledgeable about the game. I'm not sure he was a great teacher. 
So, um, some the thing that I think back to as I'm assessing the the Dabo Spence, the immediate like parting of those ways is the Music City Bowl in 06. This would have been two years before when Spence was in his second year as the coordinator. Mm-hmm. You have two pretty talented guys named C.J. Spiller and James Davis. I think they had a combined 12 touches in that game. And I think I remember hearing that Dabo was pretty incensed over that. And then you fast forward to when he becomes the head coach and the another one of his major priorities is we're going to give our best players the ball. Right. <laughs> we're going to put a saddle on C.J. Spiller and James and, and, and and James Davis and let those two dudes uh, well, take it, us. I, I think the other thing is uh, Kentucky was like 114th on yeah. defense, a rushing yeah. defense. And, you know, uh, and I think we went down and – I think we missed a field goal at the beginning mm-hmm. of the game, and um, it was, uh, yeah, the, the you know we, we couldn't, none of us could figure out why we weren't running the ball if they were that poor on. Uh, so you know the funny thing about the bubble screen, the bubble <laughs> screen thing is, um, on Dabo's coaches show to this day, like right present time, on his radio call-in show on Mondays, there's a. A woman named Becky from Gaffney who calls in and she's like, Coach, I love you, but why are we running so many dang bubble screens? <laughs> and he just starts laughing and I would love to hear his uh some of the some of his you know, the some of his historical contextual sort of uh reminiscences over that, you know, in in light of the the, the well, screen thing you know, with Rob Spence. Here, here's a receiver coach. And, you know, you want to give your kids an opportunity to block that. So if you're going to run it every other play after a blitz, you're not giving the receivers a chance to block for the guy catching the ball. Yep. So yep. that maybe may have given him heartburn. <laughs> what do you remember? Because there were a number of things that he – Debo was insistent on doing right away that were like, whoa, really? Um, he wanted to make Jeff Davis the – sort of the full-time guy uh, yes. in charge of enrichment and, and, and the Paul Journey type of type of idea early on. The other thing he did that first week, um, just a couple of days into his tenure, was he walks into Terry Don's office and says, I want to have this thing called a tiger walk. I don't know if you were privy to those conversations, but what's really cool to me is I think back to that and what it has become is that under Tommy, the route that they would take uh, for, for, from Anderson to the stadium uh, on game days was this roundabout uh, path away from everything just so I could, I guess they could get in as quickly as possible. And Debo was always like, man, our, our players need to see what this is all about and why aren't we – why aren't we going through the middle of everything just so we can yeah. properly soak in what makes this thing special? And our, as Davo says today, that you know when he 
goes to Terry Don with the idea. He's like, you want to do what? You want to stop the buses where and walk where? And Really? And, and he's like, yes, I want to do it, and we're going to do it. And can you? I don't know if you were. I wasn't on the initial conversation, but I was over in Ipte at that time, so I got the call about what we wanted to do through Lot 5. And, and you know, I've, I've been to um, some other institutions like Tennessee has a walk, and I know Alabama has one. So um, I think it was a great idea. I mean, uh, no, not that um, um, he was plagiarizing what other schools do, but, I mean, uh, it, it, it certainly should get, uh, you know, emotions, uh, you know, people yelling five deep on each side. I mean, I think it's... It's a great thing. Well, I think Dabo did, you know, I, I think there were some things that he saw in Tommy that Tommy didn't do that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, he engaged the faculty. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted, he let them come to practice. He invited them to practice. Uh, he generated some T-shirts with slogans on them right away. Um, I mean, he, you know, he, I mean, I, I remember him talking to the team about being all in and I didn't recruit you, you know, you didn't come here to, you know, necessarily to play for me. And if you want to leave, you know, and, uh, uh, I mean, you know, he started it off right. He, you know, he, he knew what he was doing. He built a foundation and, um, and it was on trust. It was on being honest being transparent and accountability. Uh, you know, you're going to be accountable, and uh, we're going to do things right, and we're going to win some games. So. The sight of Dabo running down the hill 30 yards ahead of his team at at 15 miles an hour, running as fast as he can, is a – I mean, that's a staple now. We're used to that. But that first game before Georgia Tech, I remember turning to people around me going, what is he doing? Like – He's making it all about himself. Like, why is he running so far out? At the time, it's like, this is, it's, is this guy? Does this guy really know what he's doing? What were you thinking when you see him running? Well, out there? I, I think Dabo is an emotional guy. I think he's he's pumped up and uh, he's just trying to show everybody that hey, I'm ready to I'm ready to go as the coach, and these players better be ready to go. So I don't I don't think Dabo is a self-absorbed guy or about himself. I think he's really about other people, and particularly his players. No, what I mean was, I mean that that's obvious. Yeah. Now, but in the moment, the first time you see it, it's like, okay, you know, you made the decision to promote this guy, and now it's like, I'm just curious, were there any parts of him at the time, you know, before he becomes a Hall of Fame coach, and when it is still a major gamble that is probably not going to work are there any things about any any parts of him that you're like i well, don't know I, I know that we had to talk to him a little bit during his interim year about the officials <laughs> and we got some we got uh, a little conversation from the conference office what that, do you mean well you know that he was just getting a little bit you know, complaining a little bit or getting out there. But, you know, uh, one conversation and that was it. You yeah. Know, he, so, and, uh, yeah. So, so and, and we had to talk to Tommy about that as well, too. Yeah. Um, th- did you ever say, like, with Tommy, did, were y'all ever, I guess y'all weren't that close, really, no. so. 
No, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, part of my time with Tommy, I was in Vickery Hall. And um, so, you know, I had a lot of, you know, quite a few discipline problems of kids not going to class or being disrespectful to advisors in the building and stuff like that. So, you know, every time I saw Tommy, I pretty much had bad news. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but, you know, I I will say he responded. I mean, he, you know, he would discipline them. He was a disciplinarian, you know, so. But sort of to what you were alluding to earlier, what Dabo brought was a full investment absolutely in the culture here that Tommy, there was a bit of a deficit there with him. I guess mainly when you compare the two, probably, in fairness to Tommy, like there aren't going to be many coaches who are just fully savoring everything like right. Dabo does and building those bridges and all the things that he did. You know, I, I think a lot of what Dabo brings is gratitude and and just looking back at his the way he grew up and and some of the challenges that he had I think he was appreciative of little things and you know I I don't I don't know Tommy was more um I'm I'm sure. I mean, here's a guy that was raised under a Hall of Fame coach, and I forget how many championships his father won and national championships, and and I don't know. Maybe he thought it would just come natural simply by being the scion of Bobby uh, Bowden, but um, you know, Dabo was. uh, I just think the the difference in really good coaches. Are authenticity, sincerity, and trust. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's key. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area, and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm, Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-35. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Dot com. If Dabo goes two and four in 08 instead of four and two, and you can't, you just can't make that call, who do you think the coach is? Hmm. 
I'm not sure I could I could answer that. Um, that would have been Terry Don's decision. I do know that we interviewed quite a few people. Um, um, I, I you know I really don't know. Uh, I'm glad he didn't. I, it's Terry Don, I'd always thought. Um, Jim Grubb's name was always sort of prominent in my mind as somebody that would have been a very high on the list. Another, possibly Rich Rodriguez, but Terry Don told me a few years ago, he said Brent Venables might have been the guy because he he went out to Oklahoma City and interviewed right. him and was really, impressed. Uh, really impressed with him. Yeah, I think one of the things about Jim Grubb is you know, you really have to be careful of hiring interconference people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you try to stay away from that if you can. But um, um, I know Terry Don uh, always talked about Venerables even before he got here. You know, he was a good defensive coach. So, how about Muschamp, who was at Texas at the time? No, no, he didn't. Never mention his name. Gary Patterson. Yeah. Um, but I think Gary, uh, you know, because Terry Don was out there and he'd call me about every night. I think Gary wanted him to just offer him the job. Right. He only he was not going to yeah. interview. Yeah. If he didn't have assurances. Yeah. And Terry Don wasn't going to do that. Rodriguez. Um. I I don't I don't think I, I think we talked to him, but I don't think he would have. Um, I don't, I'm not sure Terry Don would have felt comfortable with him. Any other names that I'm not that we haven't? Um, we talked to the uh, who was the quarterback at Nebraska, Turner, Turner Gill. Gill. Yeah, Turner Gill. And Terry Don told me. I, no, I wasn't in on that interview, but Terry Don told me he really liked him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, huh? So you made a very astute point when we talked a couple of days ago. You said that, and I guess I need to fast forward here to 2010, Dabo's second full season when they're six and seven. First losing season in 12 years. Lose at home to South Carolina. First back-to-back losses to South Carolina <clears throat> since the early 70s. And uh, the, the the story that most everybody knows, after that South Carolina game, Dabo's walking up to his office, and and you and Terry Don are waiting. And Kathleen, Dabo's wife, tells Dabo that you and Terry Don are waiting. And they both think, okay, this is it. We're getting fired. Terry Don says the now, I guess, uh, iconic, words of I've never believed in you I believe yeah. in you more now than I ever have um, let's go get this thing done but the point you made was that if we were if if the climate today existed then then Dabo probably wouldn't have made it because of all the outside pressure and and, and how quickly now people just move yeah. on and, and, and go to somebody else and just pay the buyout well, I think what I learned from that conversation when Terry Don told Dabo, he said, you know, we were 6-6, six and six, and then, of course, we lost the next That's game. That's right, 6-6. Six six, we, yeah. we lost the next game to South Florida mm-hmm. in the um, Charlotte Bowl. But what I learned is that, you know, Terry Don was definitely the best boss I ever worked for. Um he gave you responsibility. He kind of told you what to do, but he didn't bother you. And, um, um, you know, I was in on 
most major situations, hires and whatnot. But when he told Dabo that he believed in him more now than he did when he hired him, um, I think that was wisdom and experience of an AD, you know, a mature AD. Um, I, you know, today these these ADs, I think, uh, knee jerk react to fans and whatnot and make a decision, um, you know, to move on. And um, you know, I, I mean, sometimes when you you know you you look at the overall situation, uh, whether there's a lot of kids that are going to be returning or the schedule is a little bit easier, um, you have to look at those things uh, and sometimes give the coach you know, that extra year or the extra two years on your contract. But it, it, it seemed, I mean, I, I've been in athletics for, you know, 40-some years, and it seems I've, I've never seen so many coaches being fired during the season as I ever have. You know, um, the guy at Wisconsin is very successful, you know, uh, Scott Frost, Arizona, um, and there, you know, there's extenuating circumstances. I think there were some NCAA violations at Arizona, and um, but um, yeah, I, I, that just showed me that to me, an athletic director is there to support the coaches and give them everything they need to be successful. And then when that happens, and they're not successful, then you make a change. I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in that meeting, Terry Don said, "Whatever you need, <laughs> is just get with Billy D and with a list of the things you need, and we'll get it done. And then, can you tell me the list that that that, uh, <laughs> that you got soon thereafter?" Well, uh, my office was actually in the Ipte office, and the next morning, Dabo brought me about a page and a half of things that he wanted. And and they were all things that he was thinking outside the box that were essential, probably things that even as athletic directors we weren't attuned to, mm-hmm. you know, like taking families on every away trip, mm-hmm. you know, or letting coaches. Well, I mean, you know, as a coach, you don't get to see your wife during the week. So, you know, why not go on a trip and be able to, you know, spend the night in a hotel room and eat breakfast with them? And I mean, it was just little things like that that were um, that were around being convivial, being family, being all in, you know. And they weren't necessarily expensive things, um, but they were things that he felt were essential in building a program. And that's important because that wasn't just Dabo saying, we need this facility, we need to pay no. our coaches more. It was it was a really, it was very in line with that holistic yep. vision, the culture that, that, that he had in mind. Yep. So what else was on the list? Oh, gee, I can't remember. I, <laughs> I, I wish I'd have saved it. <laughs> <laughs> might be might be worth something. Um, so when so uh, the, the 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 practice facility, for instance, I'm sure that was on there. Indoor practice facility. Back then, that was an ambitious thing. I remember Terry Don countless times going, "Why do we need?" <laughs> Why we need to build spend ten million dollars on something that we gonna spend, 
you know, 14 times a year in, only when it rains. And Dabo's point is, no, it's not just right. when it rains. Um, it's, it's spring it, practice. It's yeah. hot summer days. It's, you know, kids can work out in it every day. And, you know? I mean, it, it's the it's the... It hosts the all-in ball and all sorts sure, of different functions, sure. and so he had that well, in mind. Well, what I remember most about the um, um, the facility is that um, we kind of raised the money from mm-hmm. Betty Poe, and um, but what I remember most is that facility. Uh, there was a deadline on it being occupied. And we were getting ready to play LSU in the Chick-fil-A Bowl. And we got in there about three days before that game, maybe four. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that week, it poured rain. (laughs) And we won the LSU game. Had we not had that indoor facility, I don't believe we would have won that game. Um, Some people say that the the back-to-back losses to South Carolina were the primary driver to Terry Don saying, let's do whatever it takes. He, right. Show me the list, whatever. Cause, because at that time, losing back-to-back losses to those guys, it was unheard of. Do you think that there's something to that? Do you agree with that yes. line of thinking? Yes. I mean um, – you know, you got to remember that Terry Don came from a very rivaled state in mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. When Terry Don took over Oklahoma State as athletic director, I want to say that they beat Oklahoma six out of eight mm-hmm. times. And, you know, they did a lot of facility improvements. He hired good coaches, you know, Gundy. I mean, was his hire? He actually hired Les Miles, and then he went uh, and left, but uh, went to the Dallas Cowboys. But um, so I, I think he appreciated, you know, the interstate rivalry and that we needed to get on top. Um, and I think when Terry Don took the job, uh, he looked at Clemson as Florida State is the team we really need to beat. Mm-hmm. And when he took the job, he said, if we can get on top of Florida State, then we win conference championships. That's when you go to major bowl games and now, of course, get into the playoffs. Um, I think he was a little surprised that Miami and uh, Syracuse yeah. and you know came in. But, um, but I think initially when he came, uh, that was his thinking and what he shared with me. So when, when – um when Terry Don was on his way out and they're looking for uh, a replacement, you were Dabo's guy. And Dabo very, I think, very strongly advocated for you. Him and Brad. He and Brad Scott. Brad Burnell. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Brad Burnell. Okay. Um, What, I'm just curious, like, what the behind the scenes of, okay, it doesn't happen, the head... Now both head coaches, I learn, um, their guy is chosen is, is bypassed. What were the sort of the mechanics of that, and the the sort of how did how did Dabo how did they react to that? I'm just curious, like what what y'all's conversations were like, 
Um, how how do how you move past something like that? You know, and and, and just move on. Well, you know, I, I I'd be remiss to tell you that I, you know certainly was disappointed. Uh, I spent you know thirty three years here, and then you know uh, kind of overlooked, uh, so to speak. I mean, that's the way I felt, but. You know, I understand leadership, and leadership has to make decisions. And um, 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 you know, you you kind of question yourself why. You know, uh, and maybe you know, being at a place for a long time, uh, you know, they just they wanted a change or whatever. But um, you know, I've I've accepted it. I've moved on. Um, I always will be grateful for what Clemson did for me. Uh, I feel like I did a good job for Clemson, but I think Clemson was good for me and uh, and to me. And um, um, you know, I'll always be a Tiger. Support all the sports. I still you know attend all the many of the sports. Um, to this day and and will continue to and I think you know when I met with President Barker and he he told me that you know he was going to hire Dan um, you know I, I said I understand that's you know that's his prerogative and his decision and he he did tell me I had because he told Dabo and Brad first mm-hmm. and he said I just had two angry head coaches leave here <laughs> so he did tell me that so but you know I, I i told dabo that you know i appreciated their support you know through this and uh that you know it's now he needs to you know he has a different boss and you know he needs to move uh to a relationship with him so what was your first conversation like with dabo after yeah it, after the news that you weren't the guy well, um, you know, he called me, both him and Brad called me and, you know, and I, I just told him, I said, you know, I'm fine, you know, uh, I just have to accept it and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do, I'll support you in any way I can, whatever I can and, you know, I plan to, you know, help Dan uh, any way I can with uh, my experience, history and, and, and relationships that i built over the years and uh, what else can you do, really? Do you think it took them some time to come around to Dan as a result of those connections with you and those desires for you to, to have been in that chair? Um, Maybe that's a question for them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I... I I mean, I think Dan embraced them. I think he, you know, he had confidence in both Dabo and and uh, so I, I didn't think Dan came in here and was telling them what to do. So right. I, I think that relationship manifested fairly well. Okay, that decision is made to hire Dan um, when uh, in 2012, when there have back-to-back ten-win seasons. Um, had that decision, had they been confronted with that decision, uh, let's say 2018, you're getting the job because Dabo's <laughs> opinion means a, means lot, a lot more, more. <laughs> than it did in 2012. Has that occurred to you, and do you agree with that? 
It hadn't occurred to me. I hadn't thought about it that much, but I would have to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he has he's a little more clout. <laughs> is it? Is it? But but let me just say this: I think you have a great AD right now. I oh really, yeah. I, I think Graham has people skills. He is an intelligent guy. I think he is uh, organized. I mean, he has a grasp of the program. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad for Clemson, and I'm glad for Graham. I mean, I think even probably Dabo and, and Brad and you would, correct me if I'm wrong, would agree that at what Clemson needed at that time, in terms of facilities and all yeah. that, Dan brought. He did. Yeah. And what they needed after Dan left was more of the cultural yep. elements that Graham brings. I totally you agree, agree with, with that. You. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I definitely think that you know I I, I think that Terry Don was an exceptional AD. I mean, if you, if you look at one of the components you evaluate an athletic director is on financial stewardship. So Terry Don was you know. He was prudent. He he was, uh, um, you know, he was frugal in his in, in his approach to some things. I mean, we did some. We built the West End Zone. You know, we did the locker rooms. We did some things. But um, I think he was um, he all you know what he always conveyed to me is uh, what Coach Broyles conveyed to him, and that is if you're going to do a facility. You need half the money raised mm-hmm. before you even announce it and mm-hmm. move forward. So, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of like buying a house. Uh, you want to buy a five hundred thousand dollar house, you don't go mortgage the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that's uh, you know a reasonable approach. Where I think um, maybe younger ads, you know, uh, money's a little bit cheaper. Well, it's not now, but it was then, and so they. And borrowed some money. Are you? I mean, when Dabo first took over as head coach, he was making eight hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> it was all incentive based, really, which which was great on the heels of the opposite under Bowden, which was they saw a little bit of promise, and you give them a, an extension based on hope, right? Right. Um, We've advanced a long way since then. What? How did? What? What is your reaction when you hear Dabo's? You know, getting another ten million plus territory. Not just Dabo, but coaching in general, getting making that much money. I think if you look at it as just a monetary figure, you're wrong because Dabo has changed the culture. He's changed the institution. He has changed the academic standards. I mean, his tentacles have rippled through everything we do in this town. So I, I, he's probably worth more than eleven point five million. To be honest with you, it's really interesting. I think that the two elements that make it jarring, the numbers, are what they were making fifteen years yeah, ago, right? And the fact that it's on a college campus, higher education, whatever. But if you view it as a if you view the head coach as a CEO of a major corporation and, and evaluate and, and assess the financial impact, the total impact, ten million dollars to your point seems kind of cheap. Yeah. Uh, if you were to 
just do apples to apples. Well, in 1983, I made $57,000 as the <laughs> offensive line coach. So wow. that'll tell you something. <laughs> um Billy D, I don't know if there's any other any other questions that I have off the top of my head. Did we cover everything in this visit? I'm, I'm I appreciate what you do. I appreciate um, what you always have done, at Clemson, and um, you know trust you as a uh, a sports uh, broadcaster and everything, <laughs> and uh, have a great relationship with you. And I thank you for having me on. Yeah, the real reason is just I. I that I have you on so often is I, I'm uh, I'm buttering you up for when I have to have to appear in court. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining All us, right, man. Thank really you. appreciate it. Okay, thanks to Billy D for giving up his giving us his time. Also, I'm holding in my hand right now a jar of Billy D's honey from his garden. So looking forward to tasting that. Appreciate the support of our sponsors for being a part of this, helping make it happen. And of course, thanks to every one of you for hitting play every week. Really appreciate it. Everybody be safe. Cheers.